Welcome to Skytail Insights, the go-to podcast of owners of multi-location dental practices and med spas. We talk to business leaders in the industry. This week, we're talking to John Fiddler, founder and CEO at Fiddler & Associates. John began honing his talent recognition skills while working for the Arizona Diamondbacks baseball team in the scouting and player development departments. For the last 17 years, John has focused his skills specifically within the dental industry. During this time, John has placed successful executives throughout the country for DSOs, multi-location groups, manufacturers, distributors, and other dental-related organizations. And now, with more, here's your host, Eric Pastan. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of uh, Skytail Insights. Excited to have uh, John Fiddler here today. For those of you that don't know, which I'm sure are only a few of you because he's so well known in the industry, uh, John is the, you know, probably the premier recruiter within the dental industry. Um, I, I can say that from personal experience, having uh, gone through the search and John helping me find Skytail. Uh, and, and I can tell you, you know, it certainly is that concierge level service. So excited to have John here today. Uh, want to get into a discussion around how he found himself into this crazy world of dentistry and, uh, and, and really learn more about him and his process and some more about all the time he spent in, in, in the dental space. So, uh, yeah, welcome, John. Love having you here. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Um, you know, and, and, and John is being nice. He's cutting into some vacation time. So we'll try to, <laughs> we'll try to take it easy on him today, knowing that he's probably late for his tea time already. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think to start, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what, what, what do you do and, and, and how did you get into the space? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess kind of the, uh, you know, quick elevator pitch is, you know, we're basically, we're an executive search firm. So we kind of, you know, we find ourselves in the middle of a lot of things because we're talking to folks from all different parts of the industry. But, you know, executive search is what pays the bills. And so that's where we focus and, um, you know, try to do our best really to just connect good folks to good opportunities and, uh, you know, try to simplify and take everything off of, uh, you know, either the group's plate or the candidate's plate and make it as easy as possible. But, uh, um, you know, we started, I, I kind of came up through the the dental ranks with uh, Patterson for about 10 or 11 years started off as a rep and was in the offices and out selling, you know, the goop and goo and gloves and all the fun stuff. And, um, uh, you know, I always joke that I felt like I got demoted to branch manager. I got paid less, but more headaches and more responsibility. So I moved over to the uh, Central Texas, the Austin market for Patterson. I ran that for about five years and had a really good run and and uh, just kind of found myself in the middle of connecting folks. Uh, you know, I'd get manufacturers asking me if I knew of anybody looking. I'd get folks asking me if I knew of any jobs out there. And I thought, man, if I could figure out how to monetize this, I'd, I love doing it. I love connecting folks. And so about eight years ago, branched out and started this and really um, just kind of through the network that I had built, you know, with Patterson and just kind of with manufacturers and software companies and, you know, sales reps and you name it, um, was very fortunate that way. And um, kind of got into it and that's, you know, evolved over time into working not only with, uh, you know, those types of, uh, you know, distributors, manufacturers, those types of roles, um, you know, mainly a lot more into the DSO space. There's just been so many, so much movement. And uh, we we trip, typically try to focus within, kind of, I guess, probably the easiest way is like non-clinical roles. So we'll focus on, you know, regional managers up through CEO level is, is typically where we we are, you know, we'll do some other searches just if they're, you know, good customers and clients or whatnot, but uh, that's kind of been our focus here, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. It makes perfect sense. Um, 
So, so talk to us a little bit about when you get a candidate that comes in through the door, you know, obviously you probably, you have a, a plethora of listings out there. You have a candidate that comes in the door. How do you, what, what role do you feel like you play in that matchmaking uh, scenario? What makes a person right for a certain role and not for another one? Yeah. So I, I think it's just uh, really, it's just kind of listening, you know, and I think knowing the industry and kind of knowing, um, you know, what certain folks are looking for. You know, I, I, we are a small tip of the iceberg, you know, as far as number of searches and those things, because there's so much movement, you know, a lot of the larger groups have their own HR and are doing their own. So, um, you know, we'll assist when they're having issues or anything like that or having a tough time filling specific things. But typically it, it's, you know, it's really like blue collar on the phone, you know, listening to not only the groups, but also, you know, the candidates that are being referred in, um, you know, continuously checking in with them. You know, folks kind of have certain boxes of non-negotiables or what they're looking for. Groups kind of have that same thing. And that can range anywhere from, you know, salaries and titles and travel and relocation, all those sorts of things. It's kind of like a matrix that we try to put together. And, um, you know, we obviously have databases where we take notes and and have a feel for not only what the candidates are looking for, but the group is. And then at that point, it's just putting puzzle pieces together. I mean, there's a lot of just kind of internal um, you know, taking a step back, putting perspective around things and, and listening to folks and then, um, you know, kind of cross-checking that with our notes on, on, you know, opportunities or candidates and putting the puzzle pieces together. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. If I'm a candidate, I'm putting myself out there um, in, 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 I guess, in today's job market, what are your pieces of advice to the candidates, I guess, from a from a what should I make sure that I do and what should I make sure that I don't do perspective? Yeah. So I, I always tell folks, um, you know, be as transparent and upfront as, you, you know, honest as you can. I know it's typically kind of puts folks in a bad spot and it's all depending upon the relationship with their, you know, current role or bosses or those sorts of things. So I just, you know, it's a small world and, and um, I think it just kind of shows the character of folks of you know, being as honest as you can, obviously, I know they can't just go to their boss and say, hey, I'm going to go look for another role. And, um, you know, those sorts of things, not everybody wants to hear that. Do your due diligence on it. So not everything is going to be a perfect fit or check all 10 boxes of everything you're looking for. And a lot of times people will kind of like look at the short term, like I'm not getting paid enough. And so I just want to go make more money. And so they put kind of all their eggs in that basket. And, you know, maybe somebody offers some more money and then they get over there and it's like, well, the culture is not great for me or the, the drive is too, you know, so I think just kind of, you know, I'm a big John Wooden fan and sports guy. And so there's a, there's a uh, quote that he has is, you know, the be quick, but don't hurry, you know, and it's like, you know, you you want to give it attention and, and put some effort into it over the same, you don't want to just take the first thing that flies by you want to do your you know research and diligence. And, you know, it's such a small community, um, not only in dental, I think just in healthcare, you know, there's a lot of crossover that uh, there's plenty of ways you can kind of find out exactly what you think you're getting into? Is that really what the folks that work there say and are and feel and experience? And then I think that's kind of the, the basic steps as you're, as you're just getting into the market, if that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you flip that coin over and, and you look at the, the the employer side of it, what do you tell your employers as far as what, I guess, A, what they should be looking for, but also what they should be offering in the market? You know, do you do a lot of coaching to them? Uh, you know, and, and I think it probably goes beyond just simply, hey, for this role, you should offer X amount of dollars. What right. else should they be thinking of from that perspective? Because I know we have a lot of 
uh, business owners that, that that listen to this podcast too, yeah. you know, how, how should they be changing their perspective, especially in this environment? You know, I think we're going to a lot of meetings. I see you, you know, in various parts of the country at different dental meetings. And and it sounds to me like there's there, there's a common theme today of how difficult the job market is. Yeah. Knowing that, you know, how have you seen owners pivot in that space? And what do you tell them in order to make sure that they're competitive or able to land someone that they're looking for? You know, I, I think as the DSO spaces evolve, you know, we've gone to all these shows and listened to how, you know, at first it was like the dentist was an employee and they're just told to do, do what you're told. And, and then it became, okay, you're kind of like a valued member, you know, we got to treat you a little bit better or whatever. And now it's, you know, we're partners, you know, we're, we want the more successful you are and the more bought in you are, the more successful the entire group's going to be. And I kind of feel that way with candidates and, and owners is, you know, it used to be, hey, you can just go out on Craigslist or you can go out on whatever and just find people or, you know, whatever it was. It was just kind of this plug anybody in, they're going to work. I do think over the last, since we've been in it, just the evolution of how groups approach the hiring phase and knowing how important people is, you know, it's healthcare. People are always going to be important, you know, and um, that goes, I think, as, as well for employees and that relationship. And, um, you know, I think the w- one piece of advice that we really try to dive into is in the beginning, you know, you have these doctors or owners that are very, they're successful. And so they have kind of a little bit of like, well, yeah, of course, everybody wants to come work here and we're growing and we're doing all these sorts of things. And it's like, well, you need to offer kind of what's important to that candidate, you know, just because, um, you know, you're looking for a COO does not mean both COOs have the exact same wants or needs that they're looking for in a role. And so I think, kind of listening first instead of just saying, hey, we do ABC, you know, everybody wants to say, be proud of what they've built and this is what we do and this is what we offer. It's like, well, that may not be the most important thing to them. So let's maybe take a time out here and kind of pump the brakes, see what's important to them and then make sure that it matches up because we could save a lot of time going down this road trying to force a, you know, a, a square peg into a round hole where if we just kind of slow down, listen a little bit, um, understand what their needs are and, and be true to yourself. You, you don't need to offer everything to everybody. And so I think a lot of times, you know, we're so proud of, you know, we want the everybody to come work for us or be proud to come work for us or want to come work for us. And it's like, well, that's not always the answer either. So I think it's just kind of slowing down a little bit, kind of being real with yourself and finding out what's important, uh, you know, to the candidate, seeing if we offer it and then taking it from there. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, you know, in talking through that, one of the things that I've seen and, and and also, again, within the industry, I think there's been a lot of understanding that culture is such an important piece of, yeah. Uh, yeah. of any organization and, 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 and our, you know, your clients on the, on the job seeker side. Uh, and I've seen it because we have a lot of clients um, that, that, that are trying to build something. It always comes down to culture and no matter how much money you're paying or how many perks you're offering, people want to see what, culture is like how how is that you know how is that best expressed from uh the process of hiring you know is it does it come through site visits does it come through different types of channels you know how do how do you get a sense as a candidate what the culture of a job might be yeah i i think it's a mix of all that you know i i think obviously you know the doing your research online and, you know, there's plenty of, you know, different ways you can kind of learn about the group. So, you know, kind of looking online, looking at the websites, even just seeing how they portray themselves Is it, you know, is it a website from 15 years ago, they haven't updated and they've kind of got away with it, or is this somebody that evolves and it's friendly and new and high, I mean, all these different things that 
I think kind of give a little bit of, you know, uh, not if it's red flags, but just flags in general, you know, green or, or red. And so I think those are certain things. Obviously, it's, it's you know, I jokingly call it, you know, I'm, I'm going to trademark this at some point, Dental Mayberry, you know, yeah. is that it's such a small world that typically, you know, you'll know somebody or somebody knows of the group and you can kind of confide in them or ask them and, you know, those sorts of things. So I, I think there's a lot of different ways that candidates can go about kind of prepping themselves and kind of doing their due diligence. But, you know, again, I, I don't know if there's anything that's going to separate it more than just kind of that personal interaction. And, you know, obviously with the way the world has evolved now with, you know, Zoom or in person or whatever that is, I think it's making sure that they get to the, a certain comfort level and kind of really know what they're getting and getting different perspectives on it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. If I'm, you know, if I'm a candidate in an, an early on in my career, uh, looking to say, hey, you know, as the DSO space is maturing, um, you know, I, I guess getting bigger but narrower, right? Um, yep. Wider yep. but but skinnier. Um, yeah. You know, what 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 are the jobs that are that are really important right now in today's environment? You know, where should I be looking? What you know, yeah. should I be targeting a certain area of 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 the industry that you see as really the booming sector moving forward. Yeah, no, I, so I would say there's always operations jobs. That is always like our number one, um, you know, just, just amount and kind of need for that. Like, and I think that comes back to, if you get a good operator, it can change your life as an owner, you know? And I mean, it can really allow you to kind of take your focus off certain little things that, you know, are you're doing just to maintain the business and go focus on maybe the larger aspects and have that trust in the person. So I think operations is always number one. I would tell you, you know, just in the industry, I feel like, you know, with the uncertainty of everything going on with the economy, with, you know, um, maybe M&A kind of slowing down a little bit, um, you know, folks are kind of looking internally a little bit to tighten some things up. And so whether it's, um, you know, revenue cycle management or, you know, co- whatever it can be to kind of tighten some things up internally without going out and buying new practices and those sorts of things. And that's all still happening, I think, at a probably a, a better pitch than everybody's given it credit for. But I do think that folks are are really kind of looking in inward and tightening some things up and uh, maybe some things that got neglected were just kind of growing and the numbers were looking good and they could kind of hide a little bit. Now it's tightening the belt internally if that's, you know, maybe a, a way to paint it. That totally makes sense. And I think if anyone knows it's it's yourself. Um, you know, coming from a, a broader perspective, and I, I know you said you kind of got into into the field uh, uh, some years ago, as did I, um, and, and we've seen a lot of stuff change. Where, where have you seen the most change, uh, you know, within the DSOs? Yeah, I um, you know, I kind of say just an efficiency running it as a business. I think, um, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, initial owners, and, and we work with groups that are anywhere from, you know, two, three, four locations, and just structuring and building their executive team, all the way to you know, you know, hundreds of the uh, location DSOs, and all spread out throughout the country. So. I think where we've kind of seen things is, you know, these doctors having so many more resources going to um, events and kind of learning the business side of things. It's just been really neat to see. And and I think the other thing that's maybe trickled kind of like maybe backwards a little bit is that there's not like a cookie cutter for this. Everybody thought success was A, B, C, D or had to have this many locations or this much EBITDA or this, this much revenue. I think people are kind of getting to that point now where they see some 
um, you know, things that they like and, and, you know, the way certain ones are structured, things that they don't like. And then they're able to kind of own it and be successful themselves, whatever that is. So I think that's kind of been the, the neat evolution of this is not everybody's trying to get to, you know, 200 offices or 400 offices. It's, you know, hey, I'm 20. I want to, you know, continue to do this for a long time, enjoy what I'm doing. And then, you know, whatever that next step is, is maybe down the road. It's not just kind of an end all be all goal that's immediate and kind of finite. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about red flags and green flags earlier. What are the red flags if you're a candidate? Um, what what are those red flags in a, in an organization that that you say, oh, hey, if you see this, or, or or what what makes a kind of a bad organization versus a good organization? Yeah, um, I, you know, it's hard because I, I think everything has a little bit of gray in it. You know, I think that's kind of the beauty in people. You know, is that. Some people love, you know, maybe the reputation of a group is, hey, we just kind of, you know, get people in, get people out. You know, we were producing, we're doing all this and that's important to them. And we work unbelievably hard from eight to five. And then we're, you know, we go home and then you have other folks that are like a little bit softer on the backside. They're more patient centric, more experienced, you know, and and so I think for us, you know, it just you have to be true to yourself as a candidate. And I think as a group and this is kind of what, you know, going back to knowing you can't offer everything to everybody. There are certain people that love that going in, doing the work, putting the work in, having opportunity, getting paid, you know, all those sorts of things. And that's the right culture fit for them. So that may be a red flag to somebody that's a little bit softer and wants to spend time with folks and more, you know, kind of, you know, go in and just kind of enjoy the environment at work where, you know, you have other folks that I guess are looking for, you know, so I, I guess the green and the red, it just kind of depends on the group and the candidate. And so, you know, what we try to do is sit down and say, hey, ideally, what are you looking for? Um, you know, as a candidate or as an owner, what type of person are you looking for? You know, you may need to bring in a, a director of operations that just is going to bring the hammer and accountability down. And, yeah. you know, it's been too kind of, you know, laissez-faire and hands-off and people do it. I think it just kind of depends on on the group. But uh, I think, you know, being the middle person in that, you see both sides, it's just making sure they know what they're getting into from both sides is, is typically it. But I think green flags can be, you know, red to some folks and yeah. vice versa if that's, you know, not being too gray on it. But, uh, you know, we see that quite a bit. That's a, that's an interesting perspective, you know, and 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 also completely valid how do you, I mean, do you, so are you coaching, are you not even showing those jobs to candidates that you feel just are a green or a red flag to one group and a green flag to the other? Are you letting them figure it out on their own? What, what's your general approach? to? That? No, we, we kind of, you know, I, I think there's a balance with it. I wouldn't say, you know, if, if you know, somebody's looking to make a million dollars and, and the job pays 60, $70,000 or yeah. 150 or two, you know, probably just going to mention it that it's probably not there, but at least they have some access to see what's out there and kind of, you know, give exposure to the market, kind of let them know like, Hey, you know, I know you're expecting a million dollars. It's probably in this, you know, subset of what, you know, where we should be is reasonable. So, um, you know, but at the same time, there are some gut feelings and those sorts of things where people kind of say what they're looking for. Doctors kind of say, Hey, this is what we're looking, you know, and, and it may be just off a little bit. So I don't want to ever, hide those sorts of things or not expose them to them, but kind of walk them through what I see. And I, I think that's kind of the putting the puzzle pieces together. It may not always be exactly perfect and they're all sides line up and the cuts there, but man, they may get in front and talk to this doctor on zoom or talk to this candidate on zoom and they, it evolves their search. You know, we get going down the road sometimes with doctors that are like, Hey, I need ABCD. This is what we need. 
And then we're like, all right, well, this person has A, B, and C. D's maybe a little bit, we'll see. They get on the phone or they get on Zoom together and all of a sudden things just click and evolve and, you know, it works out. And so I think that's kind of where our, our role is, is, you know, obviously you don't want to put, you know, just the ends, ends of the spectrum together, but I do think there's, you know, that 80% in the middle that can work. You know, the hottest trend or term, I, I, you know, it's funny there. Too, I think, I feel like there are two really hot areas of, of concentration today. One of them, I think you spoke about was the whole internal revenue cycle management, maximizing yeah. same, same store growth because that M&A piece has slowed down a bit, or at least people are realizing that, hey, listen, you know, it's not just about collecting uh, offices, it's about maximizing productivity and, and profitability at the end of the day. And so yeah. a lot of that is coming from an internal solutions. Um, the other big one that, that we haven't touched on yet, though, is artificial intelligence and how that yeah. plays a role in the dental landscape moving forward. You know, I feel like Every everything every conversation is about AI, and I don't know if everyone really truly understands what AI offers in different areas. Um, as you've seen it kind of take hold, what has been your perception on it? How has it changed, or how will it change, and and, and how has it spoken so far to um, candidates and and kind of the hiring process? Yeah, so I think a couple of different things. So I, I don't know. Um, I'm sure uh, this podcast is the best and everybody needs to listen to this one, but I also listen to the uh, all in podcast. I don't know yeah. if you're familiar with that, but uh, yeah. you know, they talk about that too. And, and I think probably the easiest way that I see it, you know, from the perspective of it's going to come in to every industry at some point, right. It's just trying to figure out what the best way to use it is, you know, in the industry, I think from our standpoint, on the executive search side, there's obviously going to be some things that make things more efficient, uh, you know, job, just writing job descriptions, writing, bios for candidate, all those sorts of things can be done through AI. And we kind of point folks there. It's, it's a great tool, right? And that's just evolving. I think when I listened to the All In podcast, they had mentioned something, you know, where everybody kind of talks about AI as this like big, you know, general thing. And that's what it, you know, is right now. Uh, it's kind of like they were, I think they referred to, or compared it to kind of like the, the guy that invented refrigeration didn't get rich. I mean, I'm sure he made some money or whatever, but, you know, people with products that use, you know, people, Coca-Cola or milk manufacturer, all these folks that figured out a way to use it and then blow up from there is where the money's going to be. I think it is sneaking into all these industries and it's going to be a part of it. You know, you know, I look at the easiest point is, you know, on the clinical side, you know, when you get all these AI companies from, um, you know, different, whether it's software or whether it's clinical diagnosis or whether it's phone training programs, or, I mean, there's all these things coming in and they're, they all can be great. And so I think it's just making sure that you maximize them and kind of the same as a, as a candidate or a group. Right. And so, you know, when you're hiring somebody, there are things I think that can be done that way, but, you know, ultimately there's not going to be any, any substitution for the doctor doing the treatment. You know, maybe down the road, there's, you know, there, and I know there's probably some robots now that do some things, but ultimately it's going to have to have human interaction. So I think that it's still got a ways to go to kind of jump that bridge. But, um, you know, I think it's it's going to be there no matter what. And, and again, it can just create more efficiency as with a hope for everybody. Yeah, for sure. I was interested in one of our doctors that we consult with just bought an implant robot and I looked it up and, you know, I just saw yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger coming for us and, you know, Terminator, <laughs> something like that. Like, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hope it doesn't get out of control. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, 
So it's, uh, you know, it's coming and I think the industry uh, is trying to prepare for it. But, um, yeah. you know, yeah. I think it's people like you, um, people hopefully like Skytail and some other people that are in the market that will help people kind of see around those corners and understand, yep. you know, what's coming down that pipeline and, and who is and who's prepared for it and who's, yep. you know, kind of burying their head in the sand. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's been uh, really enlightening. Is there anything else? Um, that I didn't touch on that you wanted to make sure that we touched on or, or, or wanted to bring up in this conversation? No, I, th- I think just from our standpoint is, uh, you know, we do kind of, you know, and I, kind of the, the quick pitch here from our is we do find ourselves in the middle of a lot of things. And, you know, we kind of work on the karma train and, you know, we're a small piece of the iceberg. And so, you know, whether it's, you know, a group looking to hire somebody or kind of grow their executive team, whether it's a candidate just kind of wanting to see what's out there and, you know, those sorts of things, you know, we're happy to help in any way we can and whether we're working on the role or not, or we can make introductions to people. That's just kind of the way we feel like that's our purpose in the industry is just kind of being that, you know, under the radar, stay in the middle, you know, kind of let folks reach out to us and, you know, really not kind of chase after too much, but be there to connect. And so, you know, if we can ever help anybody or or those sorts of things, I feel like that's, you know, kind of what we're, you know, here for, and obviously, you know, the executive executive search pays the bills, but, uh, you know, it's just such a small community. And then I think as more folks kind of from the outside come in, it's just helpful to kind of have some stability, whether it's, you know, through, you know, Skytail or Fitlearners or whatever it is to have some stability and folks that kind of know the industry and those sorts of things. But other than that, I, you know, I, there, there's a million ways that all this is going to go as far as hiring people goes. People are involved, so it's always kind of a little bit of crazy town, but uh, hopefully we can iron it out and make it as least risky as possible. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the exciting part. And I think from a testimonial standpoint, uh, you know, I'm I'm proof positive that what you do works. You know, I think when I was out looking for a position, um, I I was looking in one area and you had uh, prompted me to, to talk to Ben and, and James and have a conversation, um, having not even considered the, the consulting role really being, you know, an ops and finance heavy person, having started my own organization, I, you know, I, I, it was what I knew. And so, um, and, and so it was where I was looking and it was only through your advice that, that I connected with them. And, you know, I, I think, uh, now that my face is on this podcast, they can't get rid of me. So, uh, you know, I'm somewhere that I want to be for a long time and love, you know, love the opportunity, love working with our clients. And I have you to thank for it. So, you know, yeah. from a sincere, uh, uh, position, you know, I, I appreciate what you do and, and, uh, and I know the dental community does. And so, um, love to kind of put you out there and and appreciate what you do. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to ask Ben to make sure they feel the same way. But uh, <laughs> no, all good, man. Very uh, happy. I don't think you ever believed that he could like someone from Boston, but you know, <laughs> probably halfway there at this time. <laughs> hey, that Boston, to Austin, man. They're Boston, <laughs> Texas. All right. So yeah, yeah. that's good. No, appreciate so, it. Yeah, you got. It. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Skytail Insights. On the show today was John Fiddler, founder and CEO at Fiddler & Associates. If you want more information from industry leaders, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review. Want to learn more? Go to skytailgroup.com and hear from us directly about our consultation and other services. That's skytailgroup.com.